Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology. We retell the story, have a chat about the tale itself, and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome. This is episode 26 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. We are coming to you, as always, from the beautiful Headstuff Podcast Network studios here in Dublin. It is great to be here again for another episode. I still just can't believe it more and more. 26, we are growing so much. We're all grown up. 26 is what age I am, actually. That's fun. I now have as many podcasts as I have ages of the years, just ages. Sorry about that. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you are very welcome along. Um, if you like this podcast, if you like this episode, why don't you go back to the beginning and see what we've built up to so far. If you are a returning listener, you are so much welcome back. Thank you for your continued support. Please do continue to support the podcast by subscribing, liking, sharing, leaving ratings. They do make a difference. And telling your friends we want to grow this podcast more and more and reach its full potential. If you really love it and would love to see this podcast live or hear this podcast live, you can support the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. We want to take this show live, do a live storytelling experience. If that sounds up your alley, donate. If not, if you just want it in your ears, that's fine. Continue to listen to free because this is one of my greatest joys to write and record this podcast. We are back to Irish mythology this week. We are continuing the Fenian cycle. My God, I love these stories. I love Phil McCool. I love the Fenian cycle. It was, maybe other than the historical cycle, it was absolutely hands down the cycle of Irish mythology that I knew the very least, considering it's as famous as it is, or certainly Fionn McCool is as famous as he is. And just the more and more stories I find... Uh, the more and more I love it. And we're definitely starting to come towards the end. The end is in sight, which is very sad. But every time I think that, I find another one. And there's that saying, you know, all killer, no filler. And I certainly want this podcast to be that. I don't want to just put, if there are stories in a cycle of myths that, are there I don't I want to be grabbed by them you know I don't want to put them in just because they are part of it you know I want the the whole mythology to have some kind of coherence and for it to have some kind of through line but I also want 
all the stories to be of the right right kind of length, right kind of impact, and I just want them to grab me, and this was one I very recently discovered, and it really grabbed me straight away, straight off from the name, you know, I was sold from the name, it was like a, like a Smith song, just, you know, Marcy puts all the effort into writing the song, writing the song name, and then forgets to write the rest of the song as Noel Gallagher quips. Yeah, I do like the Smiths myself. But this name, The Hostel of the Quicken Trees, it sounds like a folk album name. It's incredible. I might actually rob that for an album name because I love it so much. But this is this is more of a side quest, a side story in the Fenian cycle. If anything, chronologically, it's probably a little back from the last story we did, which was, of course, The Pursuit of Dermod and Gronia. Was it? Was that the last one? Yes, it was. It was indeed the pursuit of Dermot and Grania, which was... It was a mammoth. It was a mammoth story, mammoth episode. The longest one so far. The longest story itself, anyway. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did writing and telling it. It was an epic quest. And this was a story that I thought was almost going to be a smaller one, but it actually turned into its own epic itself, which is great because it means that that's kind of how my writing and retelling is growing, that it is expanding in some way, and hopefully for the better. But I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to get right down to the story. We'll chat more afterwards. But here it is. Here is the Hostel of the Quicken Trees on Fireside. The Hostel of the Quicken Trees once, Fionn McCool and the Fianna were called to defend Ireland's shores from King Colgan, the master of the land of Lachlan. This was the territory we now call Norway, so the invading people were mighty, battle-hardened Vikings. All of the Fianna were rallied. There was Gull McMorna, the Fianna's former leader, who had an uneasy alliance with Fionn, his brother Conan Whale McMorna, who was as strong and bloodthirsty as he was broad and bald. There was Dermod O'Divna, handsome and steadfast. Quilcha MacRonan, quick and nimble. There was Fionn's own son, Oisin, and in his first time on the battlefield, Oisin's own son, Oscar. The Vikings were a frequent enemy of the Fianna. The Norsemen were obsessed with the invasion of Ireland. But despite their fearsome appearance, hefty weaponry, and belief that the only way to avoid eternal damnation was to die in battle, the Vikings were still no match for the Fianna. Perhaps if they had met on Viking turf, or on a level playing field, things might have been different, but the Fianna knew Ireland's coastlines, and even better, how to defend them. Even those men of King Colgan that made it onto the shore were pushed back to the sea. Fionn searched the battlefield for the king himself. He wanted to be the one to end this personally. But in an astonishing debut, King Colgan fell not to Fionn, but to Oscar, Fionn's own grandson. It was Oscar's first kill, and what a kill. The men of Lachlan had been defeated. The survivors were rounded up. One of them was named Midach. He proudly declared that he was the son of King Colgan. The king had brought three sons to Ireland's shores. Midoc was the last surviving. He was brought to Fionn, who thought to execute Midoc to ensure no further vengeance from Lachlan. But Fionn looked at the boy. He was still young, barely mature. 
scarcely older than Oscar, who had taken his father's life. Fionn decided there had been enough bloodshed that day, and took Midoc into his household as his ward. Eventually, Fionn would come to think of him as a foster son. The ageing Fionn viewed all the Fianna as his family, and adopted many foster sons over the years. Each of them he showed love and respect equal to his own blood. This had always come to the annoyance of Ushin, who spent his life trying to escape the shadow cast by his father. So Fionn indeed treated Midak with care, and did not blame a son for his father's wrongdoings. The same could not be said for Midak, who outwardly was polite and respectful to his guardian, but secretly harboured a hatred that only grew with time. The only one who suspected Midak's treachery was Gull McMorna. Gull and Fionn had never seen eye to eye, because it was Gull who had killed Fionn's father, Cool, and had taken the leadership of the Fianna himself. Despite this, when Fionn had proven himself by defeating Alain the Burner, Gull had voluntarily stepped down as leader and swore loyalty to Fionn. Gull had loved being leader, but he served the Fianna and Ireland first and foremost. Fionn and Gull never became friends, but they respected each other. As such, Gull had an eye for animosity, and recognised it in Midak. He had encouraged Fionn to execute the boy when he was originally captured, and when the boy was in his twenties, Gull spoke out against the Prince of Lachlan again. Fionn, send the boy away. You have shown him a kindness and care that a son of his father did not deserve. I respect that children are not their fathers, but I see a vengeance brewing that will betray the Fianna. If you will not kill him, at the very least, send him away. Fionn didn't often listen to the advice of Gull McMorna, but on this occasion he did. He didn't fear Medoc in the slightest, but nonetheless sent the boy away. He offered Midak lands anywhere in Ireland to suit his status as a prince. Midak chose a series of several islands at the mouth of the River Shannon. They seemed suitably Viking-esque. Fionn secured the lands of Midak, and Midak left the Fianna without a second thought and never looked back. Fourteen years passed, and Midak's freedom did not ensure the easing of his mind. His hatred of the Fianna only festered. From the moment he was free and on his own lands, Midak began to send word home to Lachlan. He wanted to let his people know that he considered Scandinavia his home and how much he hated Fionn. He asked the current rulers of Lachlan to raise an army and send it to Ireland to rescue Midak and avenge the death of King Colgan. To Medoc's pleasant surprise, his call was answered. The next time Fionn and Medoc ran into each other seemed like a total coincidence. It was anything but. Fionn was out hunting with some of his warriors and companions. While on the trail of a giant boar, who should Fionn's hunting party come upon but Medoc, alone in the woods? Medoc greeted his old guardian and secret enemy with great warmth. Suspicious warmth. 
The Prince of Lachlan insisted on taking Fionn for a drink at the Hostel of the Quicken Trees. Fionn was keen, but Conan Muel MacMorna, like his brother Gull, were savvy to the treachery. The Nordic runt has never been so kind to you. This is surely a trick, said Conan Muel. Nonsense, said Fionn. Besides, all this hunting has made me very thirsty. I could really go for a pint. My brother's right, Fionn, said Gull. I know this is rich coming from me, but exercise caution, I implore you. Fionn thought these suspicions as ridiculous as he always had, but to appease his men, he split up his hunting party. The older men, Fionn, Gull and Conan Whale, would go to the hostel of the Quicken Trees for a drink, while the younger men, Oshin, Quilcha and Dermot, would stay on the hunt. The hostel of the Quicken Trees was a great hall, both constructed of and surrounded by lavish rowan trees. The rowan tree is the tree of life, and the hostel was enchanting to behold. You had to walk through the long grass surrounded by tall trees bursting with red berries. The hall itself was lavishly designed, with animal hides adorning the floor and walls and masterfully carved furniture all around. The three men sat down on comfortable couches in front of a roaring fire and awaited their drink. Wait a second, said Conan Whale. There are no servants or attendants here. Patience, said Fionn. Wait, Medoc isn't here either, Fionn, said Gull. What? Sure enough, they looked around and realized the man leading them to the hostel had not followed them in. Wasn't there a fireplace here a moment ago, said Gull, staring at a blank wall. And wasn't there pelts and wood on the ground, said Conan Whale, feeling nothing but cold earth on his feet. And weren't we sitting on couches a moment ago? said Fionn, realising he was sitting on the ground. The three warriors quickly moved and found they were fastened to the floor. The more they struggled, the more secure they were to the ground, until the three strongest men of the Fianna were on their backs, glued to the floor, as helpless as turtles. Conan Whale cursed Medoc for his treachery and Fionn for his naivety. Fionn wanted to know the truth of the matter. So he stuck his thumb that had touched the salmon of knowledge in his mouth and thought. Oh, boys, I am so sorry. This is bad. This is very bad. What? What is it? asked Gull and Conan Whale. Well, basically, you were right. And Medoc has been planning my downfall for the last 14 years. He's rallied a massive Scandinavian army that he has over the past year smuggled piece by piece into the country. They're now hiding out on Medoc's island on the Shannon and are on their way to kill us and take over the country. What about us? Oh yeah, this is an enchantment from the king of the island of Tarrant. He is one of the chieftains of this attack and it is only his blood that can unfasten us from this earth. So in a word, we are goosed said Gull. Not today, said Fionn. Sound the Dord Fian. The Dord Fian was a war horn of the Fianna, omitting a unique sound instantly recognisable to all Fenians who heard it. Unfortunately, 
Oshin, Dermot and Quilche could not hear the cry. It was only three of the youngest warriors who did. They were called Fola, Fiekna, who was Quilche's son, and his foster brother, Insa. They ran to the hostel of the Quicken Trees, but before they could enter and fall into the same trap, Fionn called out, Don't come in! Don't be fools like us! Fionn told the young lads what had happened, and told them to rally the Fianna for battle. But because they were young and stubborn, and wanted to prove themselves, Fola, Fiekna, and Insa took it on themselves to defend Fionn from the Viking armies themselves. They made their way to a ford at the bottom of the hill, where all who wished to go to the hostel of the Quicken Trees would have to cross. It was here the three men would make their stand. That night, as the Scandinavian armies readied for battle in Medoc's home, one chief of the King of Torrent decided he would go out early and personally kill the great Fionn McCool and take all the glory for himself. He rallied a small band of warriors and set out that night for the hostel of the Quicken Trees. But at the ford, they encountered Fiekna, Insa and Fola. All the men hacked and slashed at each other and the would-be assassins were defeated. But Insa fell during the battle and Fiekna was wounded. Fola said enough was enough and they should go to find more warriors but Fiekna refused to leave the ford. He said... If we leave now, Fionn is as good as dead, and Insa will have died for nothing. So Fola ran off on his own, promising to return as quickly as he could. But it was only the next night, when the brother of the chieftain who had attacked the night before went out in search of his missing brother. But when he came upon Fiekna, he saw blood everywhere, and the injured, tired, and ferocious-looking warrior who was left standing. The chieftain and his men feared attacking Fiekna, lest they come upon the same fate. So they sent word back to Midak, who then personally came to the ford and challenged Fiekna to single combat. The two men battled through the night. Fiekna was losing blood and energy, but he had purpose and vengeance on his side. He was focused. Midak frequently became blinded with rage, and so was clumsy in his swings. But just as it seemed like Midak was gaining the upper hand, a battle cry came from the top of the hill, and running down the ford was Fola, in the company of Dermod Odivna. Dermod was the greatest of Fionn's young warriors. He waded into the water, and disregarding the single combat taking place, drove his sword into Midak's chest. No one betrays Fionn, said Dermot, at this point blissfully unaware that he would one day rue those words. Fola returned to the wounded Fiekna. Fiekna thanked Fola for returning, and then died there in the waters. Fola had found Dermot in the company of Ushin and Quilche. They had still been in the same place hunting for boar when the young warrior came upon them covered in blood. Quilche and Ushin were the fastest runners, so they went to rally the Fianna while Dermot and Fola took to the ford. Fola told Dermot what Fionn had told him, that only the blood of the King of Torrent would break the enchantment and free them. At the ford, the two waited for the army. Even with Medoc dead, they knew the armies would still seek the head of Fionn McCool. 
But before any more Vikings arrived, Fola collapsed and fell into a deep sleep. He was young and exhausted from all this running and fighting. Dermot sheltered the youth on the riverbank, and there in the waters at the bottom of the hill, Dermot O'Divna personally fought back the army of Lachlan. He had the advantages of the ground, the narrow nature of the ford, and with the will of the Fianna behind him. But Dermot was also just an incredible warrior. Wave after wave of Viking men attacked, and wave after wave were single-handedly defeated. Through the haze of blood and dead bodies, Diarmid could make out the king of Torrent, and hacked his way through, gutted the man, and sliced off his head. Once the ford was safe for another brief moment, Diarmid grabbed the head, attempting not to let the blood spill out, and made his way back to the hostel of the Quicken Trees. Fionn, Gull, and Conan Whale couldn't believe their eyes when Diarmid came into their prison dripping with blood. A blood he smeared on Fionn, and Fionn felt his limbs get looser and looser until he was finally free from the cold ground. Then Diarmid lathered up Gull, who too leapt up to his feet. Finally, it came to Conan Whale, but there was only enough blood left for his head and limbs. His back remained stuck to the earth. You stupid pretty boy! You spilled too much blood! I just killed about a thousand people. Don't talk to me about wasted blood, said Dermot. What I'd give to kill a thousand people and not be glued to the ground like a baby. Pull me up! So Gull, Fionn and Dermot grabbed Conan Whale by the head and limbs and pulled with all their strength. Conan Whale should have been in agony, but his desire to be free was stronger. Eventually, the men pulled Conan to his feet, tearing all of the skin off his back. Blood streamed down the warrior's legs, but he was free. Fionn knew they would all soon need to fight and also knew that Conan Whale was too wounded. He needed to heal first. So Fionn went to the forest and killed a black sheep. He skilled it swiftly and returned to Conan Whale. The enchantment from the hostel was clearly still in effect, because the sheepskin immediately stuck to the man's back. With Conan Whale healed and all of their strengths restored, Fionn, Gull, Conan Whale and Diarmid returned to the ford for battle. But once they arrived, they realised that the Fianna had beaten them to it and had slaughtered the entirety of the army of Lachlan. Fionn was proud of all of his men, but Conan Whale was disgusted. Not only did he not get to shed any blood... But once a year, for the rest of his life, someone would have to shear the wool from his back. To be continued. And there we have the story of the Hostel of the Quickendries on Fireside. What a delightful delightful and brutal bloody bloody tale this story the closer we get to it the more this story this story reminded me probably more than any of the others of the ulster cycle 
the Ulster Cycle with the stories of Cucullin and Queen Maeve and the Cattle Raid of Cooley, none of which we have got to on this podcast yet, but are realistically the most the most famous epic certainly in Irish mythology and the most consistently survived because it has its own versions and like the Thomas Kinsella uh, adaptation that puts it as one story that's probably worse most people know it from whether they realize that or not but this story eh, that Ulster Cycle is renowned for being so bloody and just filled with just endless violence and really just really descriptive violence like i can't wait i can't wait to get to it that's why chronologically as i've said before in this the ulster cycle actually becomes before the fenian cycle so all of that has already happened at this point but i decided to leave it till later because i wanted to save it from like i wanted to make sure that i was at the top of my game and hopefully Hopefully, I feel I am getting better. I feel the stories are getting better just because the later we get into the mythology, the more survived the text is. You know, I'd love to say it's just me getting better as a storyteller. I hope that is the case as well. But it also just happens that, like, the earlier myths, the mythological cycle, hasn't really survived to today. So it's a lot more the bare bones and it's a lot more like a history. Now, it's entirely the groundwork. It is, it's the creation myth. It enriches everything that follows, and I'm delighted we we started with it uh, because it it so informs everything that goes after. But now these stories are complex. The characters that are in them are real, even for myths and folk tales, where often the characters are quite I don't want to say two dimensional, but they're simple, and that's part of what's like what's great about them is that is that folk tales and fairy tales they're swift and you don't need that detail you put that detail in yourself it's all just about the swiftness and the concise nature of the story but here we have like in my notes i just i just started off by saying like in that introduction what a cast of characters we have now you know i hope that any of you first-time listeners still will have been able to get enjoyment out of that because I tried to contextualize every character whether they had been mentioned before or not um, and I hope that it all made sense and that the story was still good for you but I certainly hope that returning listeners enjoy hearing all of these characters and aspects of previous stories uh, pay off and tie in together you know we have the first major reappearance of Gull McMorna so Gull McMorna the leader of Clan Morna, who had fought alongside and really against Cool, Fionn's father. And it had been... Uh, so Fionn's father was the head of Clan Baskina, and Gull is the leader of Clan Morna, and Gull killed Fionn for leadership of all of the Fianna. And when Fionn was grown, and he defeated Alain the Burner, Gull was the one who stepped down. Which is always really interesting, because Fionn's life has basically a, was basically about vengeance. And... Um, uh, avenging his father and achieving his father's dreams of becoming leader of the Fianna and yet when he gets to that point he doesn't actually even kill his father's killer he joins with him that man steps down and swears loyalty to him which is so much more interesting of course and it's often noted that Gull and Fionn never really got on they had an uneasy alliance and that will bear more fruit before the Fianna cycle is over 
But so when I discovered this story, I couldn't resist another chance initially to get to know Gull a little bit better. And now we have an appearance from his brother, Conan Whale, whose existence was not known to us before. But it's just nice to see him there that like because he obviously would have remained a huge part if he remained head of clan Morna and would have still been very high up in the Fianna. And then of course we have the the element that makes this set before certainly the last tale, if not others, was uh, the appearance of Dermot, Dermot O'Divna, who at this point, the beautiful Dermot had not ran off with Gráinne. He had not betrayed Fionn by marrying his new bride. If you haven't listened to that episode, check it out. It was a mammoth undertaking and hopefully a pleasant listen. But Dermot was one of the greatest of the Fianna and it was great to have him featured again. And and a, a fella who's new in this, who will come back again and was nice to get a little nugget of him here, is Quilche. Quilche McRonan, as we will see, who was known as the fastest of the Fianna. He is their flash. He was uh, just a real fast little, nimble little fecker, real swift, swift lad. Um, we'll get on to now the Vikings. The Vikings had appeared before um, in the story of the Legend of Sive. In the Legend of Sive, we had the Vikings mentioned that Fionn had to leave Sive's side to fight the Vikings for seven days before returning to his beloved, only to find her gone. So it's fair to say the we'll get to the Legend of Tirna Nog, which will probably be the last story of the Fenian cycle that we get to. And realistically, the most famous even though it's, ironically, it's one that doesn't feature Fionn at all because it centres around Fionn's son, Ushin. But Tierna Nog, any Irish school children who listen to this podcast will remember from school that Tierna Nog ends with Ushin meeting St. Patrick. And so St. Patrick, we know, regardless of religious belief, we know for the fact that St. Patrick was a real person. He there is There is written evidence of him. There is not... You know, like, it's not loads and loads of stuff, but we have enough. We have some of his letters and everything and some accounts of his life and his death to know that he was real and that he came to Ireland in the 5th century, I believe it was. So that long ago, but that's that's kind of where we are. And the Vikings um, came to Ireland really in the ninth century. So it's kind of, we certainly can round this and of course history and exact time and place don't really matter in myth because it changes all around it's all about what really suits the story because of the fantastical elements of it but any elements of place and context do enrich it a little bit so it's really nice to be able to place these stories within a certain parameter all the same like I've seen mentioned before that Tua Deidan and the gods, they are supposed to have reigned in Ireland for a very specific time frame. I forget the exact amount of years, but it's like 187 years or something incredibly specific for something that absolutely never happened. But to go on to talk about some of the other, what the echoes, the fant- fantasy echoes and elements of this any Game of Thrones fans who listen to this podcast might hear echoes. I kind of get a vibe of the Greyjoy Rebellion out of this. 
and what I mean by that is I, it's not spoiling anything for anyone who hasn't because it's the Greyjoy Rebellion is something that happens entirely before the events of Game of Thrones so you kind of know about it in the first couple of episodes it, in, it is enriches the story certainly but it's all context that happens before so it's not a spoiler that is my spoiler uh, loophole there but Theon Greyjoy is a ward of Winterfell the Greyjoy Rebellion was his father Balon Greyjoy who was uh, king of the Iron Islands which are very Viking-esque anyway they're all seafaring people and seafaring warriors and they do not sow they only take incredibly Viking influenced and very Scandinavian uh, despite the show being entirely filmed all the Iron Island se- uh, sequences filmed in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, which does kind of look very coastal and very Scandinavian in its own way. But the Greyjoy Rebellion is just is crushed, and Ned Stark, uh, the protagonist of Game of Thrones, he adopts Balon Greyjoy, the person who rebelled. He adopts his youngest son and only surviving son and takes him into his care at Winterfell and raises him as his own son. And that's part of the huge complexity and interesting side of Theon as a major character in Game of Thrones is that he has grown up away from home, kind of a prisoner, but being treated so well by his surrogate father, better than his own father ever treated him because his father never tried to get him back or anything like that. And so there's huge elements. I'm sure George R. R. Martin is very inspired by something very historical he comes from history a lot. Most of Game of Thrones is based on the War of the Roses. But I got huge echoes of that and a huge vibe of that in this with with Fionn adopting Midoc, the son of this King Colgan, sparing bloodshed. And it was its own interesting side that Fionn shows Midoc nothing but kindness and Midoc still harbours and grows a resentment more and more and more, um, which leads to him raising the army. The armies themselves, every so often in the myths, in the Irish myths particularly, there will be a bunch of place names mentioned that I've never heard of, and as hard as I Google, can't find anything. And some of these army names are such things. I was delighted to find out that Lachlan, it might be Lachlan rather than Lachlan, I think it is Lachlan though, like the name, that Lachlan is is an old Irish term for Scandinavia and very specifically Norway. That obviously exploded because like nowhere in a lot of these versions is are Vikings mentioned. But knowing that Lachlan is Norway, that immediately gives us all we need in terms of a visual of what these attackers are like and what they look like and what they seek. So that was a juicy delicious and that was enough almost in itself and that saved it because of all of the random names like the island of torrent i wasn't really going to include any of the names but like anytime i looked in like island torrent it just came up like downloadable torrents for the movie the island which didn't really help if anyone has any more information on the island of torrent i'd be really helpful and also look up king of the world it said that one of the people who comes to the army is the king of the world from Greece. And again, typing in king of the world, Greece, all that comes up is Constantine II, who was the last king of Greece before the abolition of the monarchy in 1974, I think. If that's exactly correct, you, Wikipedia has too much impression on me. 
But so yeah, the king of the world. I decided to leave that out. That just seemed to raise more questions. It was simpler. Just all we need is the Vikings. They come. We need the army of Lachlan. Don't need to know who. They're coming to fight for me, Doc. That's all the element we need. Because this is all about the Thermopylean fight of these young fellas. Of Feikna, of Fola, and Insa, and later Dearmond. Let me talk about Fords for a second. Not the car, the part of a river where so much of this battle takes place. Irish mythology is all fought at fords, particularly the the Ulster cycle. That's probably why this reminds me of the Ulster cycle so much. All of the cattle raid of Cooley, all of the war for the bulls, Queen Maeve and Cucullin, it's all fought at fords. There's probably a very specific reason that I've just been too stupid for this moment to look up. Maybe it doesn't need any more. It's an incredible image. It's an incredible visual just to imagine all of these warriors fighting knee-deep in water. All of the battle between Cucullin and Ferdia all fought at fords. And this, I think there might have been a ford mentioned once or twice in the mythological cycle, but this is our first real lengthy battle and skirmish fought at a ford and what a one it is and there's something very i said thermopylean there there's something incredibly 300 about this of the 300 spartans who faced off against the persian armies at the battle of thermopylae which was a similar case where it was a narrow pass that couldn't be crossed and 300 were able to fight off 10,000 for a good while anyway not entirely successfully but for a a much longer time than any other 300 soldiers and we get that to the extreme now where it's literally just three boys three young lads that was an element i i added myself and i thought that gave it a nice bit of nice bit of uh color was that the decision to fight themselves was their own uh insa and fola Originally, it's just Fiekna and Insa and Fola never was with them. But I liked the idea of it being the three of them and the brothers and the brother, the foster brothers both dying and Fola going off. It it, it seemed a better way to tie poor old Oisín Dermot and Quilche off in the woods hunting for days apparently, not going, that's a, that's a long drink. That's a long drink. And... Let's talk about the hostel itself, actually. I said at the beginning, what a just an incredible name, and I stand by that. Folk album, Kevin C. Olihan, The Hostel of the Quicken Trees, coming soon to a store near you. This enchantment is incredible. Again, needs no, needs no further explanation, just incredibly detailed. Lure people into a place for a pint. Beautiful surroundings, and it's amazing that the Rowan tree is back again. Those listening to the pursuit of Dermot and Grania will know that the Rowan tree played an, a huge element in that story. Having never appeared anywhere in the mythology before, and ha- me never even having heard of a Rowan tree or Rowan berries, I'm sure I'm going to see, I'm sure with the batter minor phenomenon, I'm going to see nothing but rowan trees now. I would love to. I live in Dublin city centre. I would love to see a rowan tree with lovely red berries. 
But after just having one tree before, now we have a whole forest. Now we have an entire thing surrounding. Now we have an entire building built of them and drawing these heroes in for lovely pints and lovely berries only to be revealed to be nothing and for it to tear away. And that was that was one of my favorite things I found in the versions of the Bard mythologies and um what was my other main source for this? I used more and more for the Vineyard cycle I used more and more online sources. Emerald Isle. Emerald Isle is another legends and myths site with Bard mythologies. As well as of course our our woman Lady G, Lady Gregory's Book of Irish Mythology, which will always be my gospel. But it's great to see more contemporary, fresher, and more concise versions. I like when I like when I can read uh, a bare bones version of the story. I like reading a few different short versions because I like the different color in them. But the sooner I can just get the entirety of the story, so that I don't have to keep checking back for plot points, the freer I feel in it because then I can expand quite naturally and see what comes to me rather than feeling like I'm dictating. I the stories really more feel like they are my own once I just have a very clear picture of the story in my head. And this was one that was absolutely the case with that. I found there are lovely, great versions with great detail, and I used a huge amount of that. But it also feels very much in my words, and I'm quite happy with it. So I hope you really enjoyed it as well. So I will begin to wrap up now. I'm coming to the end of the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Like I said again, repeating myself. Join us again next week. If it was your first time, I hope you enjoyed it even more and that you continue to listen, that you go back to the beginning and listen to the rest and keep listening in the future. If you're a returning listener, I hope you're enjoying it still. If you want to contact me, please do. I love hearing from people at Solo O-L-O-H-A-N-S-O-L-O on Instagram is the best place to message me. Follow me and message me there. Please do continue to support the podcast by following me there or uh, subscribing on iTunes, telling your friends, leaving ratings and comments. They all add up. They make the difference. And you continue, you all listening continues me, uh, allows me to continue doing this, which I love so, so very much. If you really, really want to support the podcast, please do so on patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. Let us take this podcast live. I will see you all. You will hear me all next week. We will return to folklore and we will see you all next time by the fireside. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.